0: Before we get to another episode of Swings and Mishes, I want to make sure that you guys know that my buddy Louie over at happycarsflorida.com spent this week at a car auction. He has some brand new cars in his inventory. You got to check it out. Go to happycarsflorida.com right now. He'll have those posted online for you later today. You can also call him directly at 954-800-2449. Interest-free financing and no payments for months. In addition to that, if you have good credit, great. Bad credit, fantastic. No credit, that's cool too. However you want to get set up with a car, make sure you check Louis out in Fort Lauderdale. Go to his website right now. Take a look at the inventory he has at happycarsflorida.com. Check them out. Get yourself into a new car, a used car, or better yet, when you give them a call, say you got sent by Craig Mish over at Swings and Mishes. Tell him what car you want. Within days, you'll be in it. You'll be driving it home. HappyCarsFlorida.com. Make sure you give my buddy Louie a call. You guys know the phone number 954 800 2449.
1: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to yet another episode of Swings and Mishes. One year ago, we released our fourth episode, which was an interview with Tommy Hutton. Uh, today, Craig and I are back for our sixty-first episode of Swings and Mishes. Craig, how does that make you feel this morning? Si-
0: Sixty-one—that's yeah. that's Roger Maris's old uh, home run record number. So, One yeah, of those baseball numbers. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should do thirty minutes on Roger Maris.
1: <laughs> maybe we should because there is uh, there's not a lot of Marlins content for us to go to today. But we will get started there. Uh, look, Greg, the Marlins have there's lost a lot
0: him. of. Con- there's a lot of content. It's just that. It's, <laughs> it's no, it's really not fun. Yeah, it's the to same. Day hour content. on on a team that loses every game. You know, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's not fun to do, I and, and I think that we. We wish that there would be better things to talk about, but, you know, we're simply not going to completely ignore everything that goes on at the big league level and, and, and look outside the box every week at silver linings like that, that can be done in, uh, we got April, May, June, July, August, September. So you got five, six months and we do this podcast every week. And so out of 30 in season podcasts, we can certainly pivot to that. Right. Every once in a while. But unfortunately, the big league level has not given us almost anything to be positive about. And so there are – look, there are some positive things that are happening. Mm-hmm. But quite frankly, the big league results have been embarrassing. They really have. And and and, and the other thing that I would say, too, is that – and we'll get to some of the you know positive things. And look, I was at uh, Sandy Alcantara's uh, charity event last week. I was the one who brought Martin Prado. On to the podcast to talk about his charity event, where he is uh, donating money to first time Venezuelan uh, students at FIU. I'm the first one to do all those things. I do those things. But when you're doing a podcast and you're covering a major league baseball team, that's a small piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. The big piece of the puzzle is how the team is performing at the major league level. And if you're trying to get people into the stands and you're trying to get people to come to your games, uh, quality and character of an individual is important it's very important but the team is on pace to lose 100 games and they just got swept by the brewers and so i i, I don't know how we can host a podcast on the Miami Marlins and come out and say great job because that's just right. not not accurate so uh, i was hoping that they would maybe win a game or two in that series and that didn't end up happening and now they'll Go take on the Giants, and they'll be fodder for some of these other teams that are trying to get into the postseason after that. So they will have a say, so right. to speak, into who gets into the postseason. But unfortunately, Jeremy, it is this is very reminiscent, unfortunately, of 1998. It's as right. close to 1998 as I can remember it. There, there was there's been a really couple of of bad seasons in the mix that I remember uh, that were similar to this, and they had uh, worse streaks. But they've gone 10 and 31 twice this season think about that 10 and 31 two different times during the season so that's kind of where we're at but thankfully for us we have some very loyal sponsors who are part of this podcast and and i've as i've learned especially recently we uh you know for for i really want to thank everyone who has listened to this podcast all season long and i especially want to thank the individual people that aside from uh, that people that you would think who are listening to this, who have reached out to me personally on levels that I never would have expected uh, that are listening to this podcast on a weekly basis. And so it is, it is keeping this going for for you guys as well as people who are dedicated Marlins fans doing this every week.
1: Yeah. And we, and we love doing this podcast. It is just unfortunate that at the moment, there's not a ton of positivity to talk about on the field at the major league level. The Marlins have lost four in a row. They're now 44 games under 500, um, and it is crazy. You mentioned 1998 and and what that felt like, and it's so funny because up until right now, that was not the conversation in terms of how this season was going. Yes, it was going to be, you know, another down year building toward the future, but I don't think any of us anticipated this type of record, especially once the Marlins got hot around May or June. And, you know, hot is, is a relative term. But still, once the Marlins were looking the way that they did for a few games there, for about 30, 40 games there, um, you know, but they've lost four in a row. There there aren't many bright spots, although over, you know, the entire season, but especially the last month or so, Sandy Alcantara has thrown the ball tremendously well. You know, we talked about it, charity work. How about the fact that he's just out here dealing on the mound once again? Isan Diaz has sort of turned things around. He's been hot over the last week. Do you want to assess where the Marlins are at in terms of that on-field product, Craig?
0: Yeah, and, and Sandy and, and Diaz are, well, Sandy particularly, has, has put himself into a different conversation than what we were having two months ago, all the depth of the Marlins pitching we were talking about. I mean, think about this. Zach Gallon was amazing. He Yamamoto was amazing, was amazing right? right, right. Uh, Pablo was fantastic. Caleb Smith was a, maybe an all-star. And then there was Sandy, eh, you know, and then, then there's Sandy there. And now yeah. all of a sudden we're here in September. That's funny. And it's Sandy and kind of everybody else. And and I think at this point, Caleb Smith is just kind of wearing down. And I do yeah. think that going into next year, he'll uh, play a major role on the team and he'll be a factor too. And, but beyond that and beyond those two. And, and again, I, I like Pablo personally a lot. People know that he's one of arguably the nicest player maybe in the, uh, in the history of, of the Marlins, but right. his starts have been very uneven since he's come back from injury. And I think that he will have to be somewhat of a question mark in terms of being a starter next year. This is just mm-hmm. factual. It will have to be this way because he's had the same injury two years in a row. Um, yes, Sandy has been a, uh, a, a really a dominating force, a guy that is going to end up now with Mike Hill. Uh, after I asked him, uh, in, in a in a quick media session if he was going to be shut down I assume the answer would be yes the answer is no because right. I don't see any reason to keep throwing him uh but they are going to let him go and, and get his uh, probably close to 200 innings he may right. he may get there if if he has some really good starts so that has definitely been great Isan Diaz as I put it to somebody the other day in the clubhouse. Prior to this Brewer series, if you had said to me, give me your absolute worst-case scenario when Isan Diaz was being called up, we have witnessed that.
1: <laughs> that yeah. has been it. I'm sorry, Isan, yeah.
0: That has been it. He's committed a ton of errors. He was over 18 against left-handed pitching, batting a buck 40. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like the light started to go on. And, and a good indication for that uh, is walks. And he started... Right more pitches he started to get on base he hit another home run he's had a triple he's had a double uh my opinion on Diaz is as follows you can be optimistic that he can be a major league baseball player but I would not dismiss also what we've seen over the past month and the struggles that he's had so if I am the Marlins what I am going to do is I am going to go into next season with Diaz as the starting second baseman but I am going to have some insurance I am not going to play the Lewis Brinson game in 2020 uh, with basically no backup options in that spot, because let's be candid about this. The Marlins gave Lewis Brinson another opportunity to start at the beginning of the season. Jeremy, did they have a backup option? If Brinson failed this year, the answer is no. The answer is no, they did not. Uh, They cannot go down that road with Diaz next year. At the very least, what they should have is a right-handed hitting second baseman at the very least, to platoon him if he continues to struggle against left handed pitching. But again, Diaz has shown, at least against uh, Milwaukee's reliever, the left handed reliever, Claudio, I think it was. Yep. I, I'm not sure who, uh, I forget who it was. But either way, he did. He has started to turn a little bit of a corner. I don't think with two weeks to go, Jeremy, you can say Isan Diaz is our starting second baseman next year. You can say we hope so, but I think you have to have a backup option. Maybe uh, Rojas could move over just in case something like that uh, would happen, but I I would expect Jeremy them to uh, have at least a platoon partner in place, a veteran of some kind, just in case it doesn't work out because uh, the Marlins can't go into next year with uh, Rosel Herrera and Yadiel uh, Rivera. Uh, you know, basically as the fallback options there. I don't think they can do that. So that's kind of where that stands. And in terms of Sandy, he's the opening day starter, I think, next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sandy, you're right. It's funny that we're having the conversation about both of those guys in the way that we are, because all year long, uh, Sandy was sort of a semblance of an afterthought. And then all of a sudden, last second, it was like, wait a second, he's he's the all-star, you know, where you realize you're looking at the numbers and you're like, wait a second. Zandy Alcantara the all-star for this team. And he's right. out there repping the Miami jersey. Yeah. And then after the all-star game, you know, he had a couple good starts and then fell back for just a bit. But over the last month or two, you know, he's really turned, turned it back on. And I'm, that's the thing that was most impressive to me is that as a guy that is going through his first full major league season that's approaching 200 innings. The way that in this, this latter half, after already breaking that 150 inning plateau, he's really been stronger than ever. Um, which is really impressive. And, and in regards to Diaz, the one thing that I will say in terms of the positive, the positivity, even when he was struggling at the plate, uh, he didn't necessarily look lost. And, and I haven't done the breakdown here and I, and I would like to, but when it comes to Diaz at bats, I, I think the thing that was um, the, the reason he struggled as much as he has is first pitch strikes. So at the, at the double a at the triple a level, when, when you're on fire and guys are trying to sort of nibble on the corners and not give you anything to hit on that first pitch. A lot of the time, if you're someone like Isan Diaz and you have a, a pretty good eye, you're taking ball one. At the major league level, these pitchers are so precise that they can make the perfect pitch. They have the scouting reports. And I, I've seen Isan Diaz go down 0-1 a lot. And a few games ago, uh, after I believe it was the game after Isan hit his first homer in this stretch, Don Mattingly was asked about Isan and how he's performing. And the thing that he said is that he and Isan had a conversation where Isan owned it himself. I've been getting myself out. And a lot of that comes down to approach at the major league level with major league pitching. Isan Diaz doesn't necessarily look lost at the plate. He didn't look like his timing was severely off. He didn't look like his swing doesn't necessarily translate. You've seen that in this bit of a hot stretch here. It has been more that his approach wasn't quite uh, it wasn't quite ready. I think he got comfortable at that AAA level with AAA pitching because he was there raking and it was coming so easy to him that that adjustment to the major league level, it can be jarring. And so you're right, to have that insurance next year and for that matter, someone to push Isan to perform to his best level That's right. at second base, which I think is important, and we don't often, uh, when teams don't have depth, and, and the Marlins have talked about this themselves before, uh, when you don't have positional depth and you don't have your starters being pushed, there can be a semblance of complacency. And so if Isan Diaz does have someone pushing him, just so that he does have to earn that second base spot, and you do have a platoon when you do need to give him a day off. I think that's probably their best case scenario going yep. into next season.
0: The other thing too is they they'll have to rectify the defensive situation too with him because mm-hmm. he's his defense has been um, very very shaky, right? in in the uh, in the month that he has been up. And so I don't think that he is going to live in the big leagues off of his glove. And and I think that internally that's kind of the way that they feel about that. But look, Keston Hura on the Milwaukee Brewers is also someone that is not known for his defense, but his bat overshadows anything that he does defensively. And I think Diaz will have to put himself in that position. Does a guy go from batting, um, you know, 150, 160 to 300? And I know on-base percentage is a a much better indicator, but does that happen? The answer is no. Diaz, I don't think, is going to be a 300 hitter at the big league level, but he could certainly live off batting 240 or 250 with an on-base percentage of 33, 34%. So I think that's kind of what you have to hope for next year, but that would be a leap also, honestly, Uh, you know, him going that big. And I, and I said that about Brinson too, like when Brinson's batting 180, 190, do you go to 280 from that? No, you never, that doesn't happen. It happens for Mike Trout. (laughs) It happens for Mike Trout. That's all. Okay. In the history of baseball guys go from 200 or 190 to being the best player in the league or close to it. Just him. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's just Mike Trout. So, uh, you know, we'll certainly hope for the best there. Uh, in in terms of just kind of um, what what's happening with the Marlins, there's one other you know, a point that I want to bring up, and and it's been brought up a lot throughout the season, and and I know that we're approaching a time where coaching decisions are going to have to be made. Uh, Don Mattingly's decision, one way or the other, is going to have to be made. Mel uh is an interesting one also because I'm not sure where where he stands whether the Marlins, uh, I, I would assume they'll try to bring him back. Will he come back? I don't know. Um, so those are all up in the air. And I know that one of the things that's at least been brought up to me is how, whether or not the Marlins are going to fight at the end of the season. And I and I want to speak to this here for a minute, because while I do think it is important to show fight, and I do think it is important to have all of these guys have the same attitude that a birdie does or a Mickey Rojas does mm-hmm. at the end of the season. I think it's a little bit overblown at this point. And it is almost the equivalent of, to me, saying, and, and look, I, this is my opinion and I could be wrong, when everyone would say last year, oh, Lewis Brinson, his hard hit rate is amazing. Oh, it's amazing, right? Yeah, it is amazing because he makes contact once every five times and when he hits it, it goes far. So hard hit rate for a guy like Lewis Brinson is not nearly as important as it is for somebody else who's making a lot of contact. Mm -hmm. And the equivalence here would be that the Marlins are fighting so hard. They're losing every game, okay? Eventually, if that fighting isn't leading to any wins, does it really matter if they're down 5-2 in the ninth? But they made it 5-4. Guess what? Major League bullpens are not good. In general, they're tired. They're worn out. Right, right so, now, especially. So, so in terms of that fighting, if you're not winning at all, I don't, th- I don't think that that's relevant for me at this point. It would be one thing if they had ten of those wins, like they did against the Braves, where they were down six one or seven one, whatever it was in the ninth. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of over that. Oh, but they're such a gritty team, and they're fighting. They're going to lose 105 games. Or 100 games so you can give me that uh you know over the course of the season if that played itself out to wins but you're 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 getting swept by milwaukee you you lost a series to kansas city and because you're scoring a few runs and you're trying i mean this is a results-based business Mm -hmm. and it's the month of september and 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 you just got to do better than that for me. So, I'm kind of over that talk, Jeremy, honestly. Yeah. And and to me, uh no offense to anyone, but that's kind of loser's talk at this point. It is. It is. We we but we lose but we fight real hard. Hmm. You know what? In May and June and July, yeah, you know, I could buy that a little bit and if they didn't go 10 and 31 again for right. the second time, Right I would say, man, that fight that they showed early in that season, even when they were ten and thirty one it really paid off now, but they did the same thing again. It did right. the same thing again, and they went ten and thirty one again. so I know that um you know internally with with players that I've spoken to uh in the clubhouse, that I made a point to make sure that I went this week because it has been really hard for me to go with football season and everything else that I have going on but i but this to me, the Marlins are the single most important thing in my professional career above all else. I really take this very seriously and I take my word seriously. And I want to make sure again, that if I'm ripping Hector Noessi to, to no end that he can see me standing right there in that clubhouse. And if he has an issue with me, he can come right over to me and say something, which he did not. So I, I am right there to be taken to task if somebody needs to, but in talking to the guys that I did speak to, uh, it does seem like um, the attitude has been kind of more or less the same. There's no one getting too far down. Mm-hmm. There's no one thinking that they deserve to be there. So that certainly is is a good sign for me. But again, we're in a results-based business, Jeremy. The team has to play better. Why am I disappointed at this point in the season, maybe more than last, point, uh, last time, uh, at this time last year, excuse me? Right. The reason why is because do you go from winning 55 games or 57 games to 77? The answer is usually you do not. Mm. And I don't see that happening next year. Whereas if you asked me the same question in June or July, I would have probably said to you, if you said to me, Hey, Craig, what do you think the Marlins record would be based on what you're seeing in 2020? What do you think? And I probably would have said, you know, they probably, I could see them winning 73, 74 games, you know, that's not a total disaster of a season at all. And there's some good silver linings in that because you go, you, I could see them going from 73-74 wins in 2020 to in the 80s in right. 2021 and maybe competing for a wild card. I don't yep. see that next year. I just, I, 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 I'm at the point where I really don't see that, unfortunately. So that's my disappointment right now. It's not really about what's happening now. It's that if we're projecting the future for the team and we're talking so much about their prospects, they have seven guys ranked in the top 100. That's all great. That's all fine. But are they all on the team next year? Are they all starting opening day next year? Are they all going to be great next year? The answer is no. Hmm. So there really, I think, needs to be some serious soul searching there. And I would expect that some serious, uh, serious changes go down at the end of the season. More, I think, than than people anticipate. And by the way, one thing that won't be happening is uh, Ryan Stanek will not be used as the team's opener. I just want to make sure that I got that out here on that podcast. I pleaded, I asked, I begged. It will not happen. Stanek will be uh, a high leverage guy from Miami. They have no plans to use an opener uh, at all, as mm. a matter of fact. So whether that's a uh, coaching or organizational thing, I'm not really sure. Uh, I, what I like to do on the podcast, Jeremy, is bring people pieces of information that they wouldn't normally you know, have access to because of the right. ability that I have to be able to cover the team. Uh, for this week there isn't a lot, but that is the one at least piece of information that people should know. Um, as much as I would like to see that attempt tried and some innovative things tried, it is not in the cards at least for the time being, as of right now. With Stanic opening and then maybe bringing in uh, a Chen or bringing in someone else. One suggestion that I made, Jeremy, was um, you know uh, open with Stanic uh-huh. and then have Caleb finish the game. Huh? Or or open with Stanic, have Pablo finish the game. You know, let Stanek throw a couple innings at the beginning, or right. open with, or open with Stanek when you're facing a left-handed hitter in the second inning or third inning. Bring in Chen, let him get his outs against lefties. Then bring in Pablo. Then bring in Caleb. Let him finish
1: the game. Yeah. And see, see what happens. Just, just <laughs> I mean, it's, it's September, <laughs> right? Well, that's the thing we talked about last week was specifically why not try these things now with, with, with the team, like the Royals, when they were playing the Royals. And, and, you know, when you talk about the effort and the wins and the losses at this point, you know, you take the record with a grain of salt, the same way you do September performance of individual players. Like we've talked about, we often toss out for the most part, spring training stats. And we toss out September stats for the most part when doing analysis. And it's kind of the same thing at this point in terms of of record and effort. And it's so funny that, you know, there was a point in June, like you just talked about where this Marlins team was on pace to be better than the 2017 Marlins team based off of how their performance was going. They were, you know, on this unbelievable rate and they were winning games and and, and upsetting teams and winning home series and going on the road and sweeping teams. And then, you know, everything fell right back apart. And that is, you know, disappointing to see, but, but are there any goals that over these last 18 games, the Marlins should be trying to accomplish? Is there anything specific that you would set out for the Marlins over these last 18 games besides, you know, that innovation that we now know sort of won't come to be?
0: Yeah, well, they're going to play against a lot of very competitive teams and teams that are fighting for the postseason. So it certainly would be nice to have them win a few <laughs> of those games, as opposed to we fought very hard in a few right. of those games. Which, which again, you know, you, you, you've, I mean, if the, if you lose 120 games but you fought real hard, what you know, are people going to look back next year and say that? Right. Uh kind of ridiculous at this point, honestly, with that stuff. Um. So that's it. You know, it's just it's. It's playing competitive and, and beating getting a few wins down the stretch to leave this season on a positive note if they can. It's very hard statistically to look at anything at this time of the year and, and put it toward next year, because last year we could be doing this podcast talking about the improvements from Lewis Brinson and Peter O'Brien, and we know how that turned out. Right. right? So So it would be some wins, Jeremy. It would be some yeah. wins. It would be some home wins in that last home stand. And then uh, I do hope at the end of the season that, that uh, Miami Marlins chief operating officer, Derek Jeter, who made comments in March that the team will be judged on wins and losses. I certainly hope that at the end of the season, that there will be some real, you know, soul searching. And, and, I, and, and if that is indeed the case, that the team was judged on wins and losses that we can at the end of the season, have a, have a press conference of some kind. And, um, you know, I think uh, Derek has done a, really good job as the CEO of this team. I think he's been out front. He's been as visible as anyone. He's you know, gone on scouting trips with players, and I got no beef with anything that he's done so far. But at the end of the year, if accountability is the big word, and I'm not even just talking about you know the manager here. If accountability is the big word, where, where is the accountability for losing 100-plus games? There, there's yeah. got to be some. And so this this idea that the season's just going to end Jeremy and everyone's going to just shake hands and come back for next year that would be insane it would after yeah. after losing as many games as they have this year if if this is indeed the case that that that's going to be held accountable for for what's happened here so I don't wish for anybody to lose their job I've said over and over again that I pinch myself sometimes with the ability to be in front of don mattingly a kid that i grew up right. with watching and collecting his baseball cards and huh. having to post the hitman poster in my room it's 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 crazy to think that that's who i was uh but that being said you know that i would i i think that the change will probably be made i would i would guess and then we'll have to find out which direction or what direction they try to go but it will be really disappointing for me if at the end of the season they just kind of you know, sl- you know, go into the sunset and say, "Okay, we'll see you next year. Let's just forget about what happened." Right <laughs> over the last right. three months, I, I, I yeah, that I, I won't be forgetting that. Yeah, that can't happen. That. Um, you know, I would like the team to be better next year. I would like us to be <laughs> in the forefront of Marlins coverage that that uh, that people can really uh, grasp onto. But certainly, in closing, Jeremy, I'm, I, you know, we, we will have a couple more podcasts to end the season. We'll have a season wrap up podcast where there'll be a massive changes where we'll come on and talk about all of those and I'll interview everyone and tell you what really happened. Of course, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. But for the next couple of weeks, this is where we are at, folks. And and I do especially if you are a true Marlins fan and you're rooting for them, and I respect that and I understand that. I just have I just have to hope that you guys understand how difficult it is for us to have to do this. And I don't want to do this. And I try as much as I can each week to pivot away and bring you guys different info and information and interviews. Uh, but I don't work for the team. And so we're going to call it fairly. And believe me, the Marlins are very fortunate that they don't have a, uh, that's, that there's not a swings and missions in Boston or New York <laughs> or LA because uh it, it would be they're lucky honestly they don't think so or whatever maybe they do i don't know i I have a ton of respect for them but they're lucky they have me i could be a lot <laughs> harder i could be a lot harder than yeah. i am yeah I could, absolutely. Be. I could be but i respect the people that work for them too much to do that and i'm not and i'm not going to do that and i understand where they're at and where they're going through but it but it will be a lot tougher in two or three weeks if if this is just an off into the sunset kind of deal. I will not that, I will not find that acceptable, and I will not find that acceptable if we go into next year with the same looking team. I will not find that acceptable as well. So, this podcast went
1: way too long. This yeah, it is, did. Yeah, so I don't know how that it. happened. We had all these plans to talk about other things in Major League Baseball. But, hey, the good news is now we can reserve that for next week when we're still in the same situation. Uh, But, yeah, so the Marlins um, are close to wrapping up this season. I believe there's just one more home series. So if you are a fan and you want to get out to a game, that's your opportunity to do it. Thank you all for listening to us once again. We will continue to do this every single week. As the season wraps up into the offseason, as we approach the offseason, the format will, will change up ever so slightly, but we'll keep things consistent the way we always have, starting first and foremost with Marlon's coverage here on Swings and Mishes. So thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, do all of the things that you need to do on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at swings and mishes at each of us individually at Jeremy dash at Craig Mish. And thank you all for listening.
0: But before we go, we do have to pay our bills. And for those of you who are listening to this podcast, I have not asked anything of you all football season long. Have I? No, I have not. I have made recommendations to use all your cooling. I have told you about happy cars, Florida. And of course, if you bet on sports, I've told you about Bet DSI. But let me close out this podcast and let you know that there is another way to get good handicapping information from me and from a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me in this industry. And that is the BetQL app. And you can also go to their website, betql.co. Here's how the process works if you go to BetQL and you go to their website, betql.co, and you type in my promo code, Craig, C R A I G, you get 20% off any of the packages that handicap any of the sports. And by the way, if you just pick one sport and you want to try it for a week, it is 20% off and it's about 10 bucks. So if you want to do that, it would be very admirable of you considering that uh, we give you this free content all season long. Uh, It also will tell you all about the NFL, college football, baseball, basketball, anything that is going on right now, head on to it. In addition to that, if you go to the website, betql.co and you don't even sign up, which is fine too, You can read articles that I produce each and every week against the spread in both college and pro football. You guys know how into fantasy football I am, of course, from my show over at FNTSY. I am also very heavily into sports wagering, doing this with BetQL, and also on my live streams over at Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm. It is the BetQL app. It is the app that I use all college and pro football season long to handicap against the spread, and you should do. Again, betql.co use my promo code craig c-r-a-i-g and get 20 percent off any of the packages on the app you have to use the promo code on the website and then when you download the app with your username and password you get access to all of the games five star four star three two and one total sides anything that you want to get involved in how about if you do a college or pro football pool this is a great way to get the picks you don't have to do any research betql.co